We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the award-winning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, January twelfth, twenty eighteen. DJ Trainer here, joined by Shannon McEwen and Ken K Train Kreitz. All aboard! You probably figured this out by now, but this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You know we'd love to have it. You can also listen and download this podcast and all of the podcasts on the Rotowire Podcast Network directly on rotowire.com. Quick overview of today's pod. No surprises here, folks. We're going to go over some top news around the league, and then we're going to go into our broad topic of the day, better dynasty value. What I'm going to do is read off two specific players, and we're simply going to debate who would you rather have for the rest of their career in a true dynasty format. Got about eight of these we're going to go over. To tease it, Blake Griffin or Kevin Love, who would you rather have for the rest of their career? I think that'll be a spirited debate that we'll get to later on in the podcast. K-Train is coming off his most historic old man rant of all time. We'll see if he can duplicate that here again today. And then we'll finish up with our Friday FanTool picks. Ken, why don't you get us started here? Yeah, let's dive into the top news right now. Two big players questionable tonight. First, uh, Steph Curry missed Wednesday's game. He's questionable tonight versus the Bucks. Because of an ankle injury, it's the same one he hurt earlier this year. Uh, you think, guys? You think Curry will play? He practiced on Thursday, so I'm gonna say he's probably more probable than the official questionable tag he currently has. So yeah, I, I would say yeah, he's probable. So I think I'm coming around to Ken's stance, which is essentially get out there and play. Like you know, just stop resting, get out there and play. Um, I mean, there's a lot that comes into it. The fact that they're making so much money, the fact that they're only playing 82 games. Um, But what I'm really coming around to is, you know, Nick and I talk about this all the time, or we did the last few seasons, is that old veteran players who are retired from the league now are, are, 
are hating on the current player so much, more than any other era. And for a while, Nick and I couldn't understand it at all. But now I think last night I fully came around to it where these guys are on private planes. You know, they're not sitting mm-hmm. in, in, in no the regular commercial. airplane. Yeah, I mean, they are staying in the nicest hotels. They've got the best treatments. Um, new schedule this season. New schedule. They've got all this stuff. And I think for the first time last night, I'm realizing that, oh, oh my gosh, I totally understand why these retired players are, you know, hating on this current class of NBA stars is because they're getting every single advantage to them and still complaining about things like the refs and whatnot. So um, do I think Curry is going to play? No, because he doesn't have to. And I think we have a problem. I think we have a problem where Adam Silver needs to step in and say, you know what, we, we need everybody who's healthy needs to play. Yesterday we had Clay Thompson was supposed to get a scheduled day of rest, right? Or the last time the Warriors played, Curry sprains his ankle and shoot around, and then Curry's like, "Well, I already told you you're going to rest, so you're out too." You have lots of fans paying tons of money to see those games. I think it's a bit ridiculous. Whereas before, I didn't know if I was in that same train of thought. It's been better this year, though. After after the schedule changes that they've made, after all the complaints from players sitting last season. It has been better this year, and it's a bit overblown how much peop- how much players rest. Like it, it, LeBron James, for instance, he actually didn't rest for rest purposes that many times last year. I think it was only like two or three or four games total. It's just that you know two or three of those happened to be on national TV, and and the media made a big hubbaloo about it. But no, no, it's not a big deal. There's nothing to worry about. I do tend to agree with those older players. Because those are the players I grew up watching, and I do like appreciate their grit more than today's NBA players. But it's not an issue. It's, it's really not an issue at all. And I do. I think Curry's going to play. He would not have practiced yesterday if he wasn't going to play today. All right, fair enough. I think it's becoming an issue, and I agree that you know maybe it's not as bad as it was last season or the season before that. But I don't know. I'm just really coming around to siding with the old retired vets on on complaining about current NBA players who in turn are complaining about everything, and they've got more advantages than they've ever had uh, previously. Amazing point about Curry. Uh, you know. Back in the early in 2011, his third year of his career, there was a concern about ankle injuries, and it it raised questions about his long term viability. Yeah. Um, but he's had five seasons in, or sorry six seasons in a row now of 78 or more games, so it's it's pretty impressive that he actually was able to completely shake that injury riddle tag um, after you know one and a half seasons of worry. There was a time when people thought Monte Ellis was, you know, a better long-term candidate for the Warriors <laughs> on that team back when it was Monte Ellis, Steph Curry, David Lee, the trio of them. And, and wow, he really got those ankles in order, Ken. Good point. Good point. Speaking of uh, injury issues, Anthony Davis, also questionable tonight for uh, the Pelicans' home game against Portland, also an ankle sprain. So certainly uh, check your pregame info for both uh, the Warriors and the Pelicans, guys. Uh, is it boogie time uh, tonight? Anytime Davis is out, um, you have to. I mean, boogie boogie's usage rate just it it goes through the roof when, as soon as Davis sits. Um, the previous outing went with Davis out was against Memphis, so a little bit of a slower paced game. Slow pace. Gasol still yeah, decent. Gasol D. still de- decent at D. So boogie didn't go off. Um, but if Davis sits again tonight, I do expect Boogie to have a big night. To, that's a long and short of it, of course. That that's that's kind of the tail of the tape, though. Although um, I've been pleasantly surprised, and a lot of us have, that Cousins is producing just fine with Davis yes. on the court as well. Um, so I don't think you should have any fear of playing Cousins, and if Davis is is healthy, still still riding with Cousins because he's been absolutely phenomenal. In fact, I would argue that. If you look at the top teams in any of your leagues, I don't care what format it is, you're going to have somebody like DeMarcus Cousins who is going in second rounds, and he's like uh, a top five fantasy talent this year. Probably a lot of teams that rostered Cousins and Tyreek Evans are currently sitting in first right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Boogie is ranked average game ninth uh, on Yahoo. And let's see if we do season total. Filter that. Boogie is eighth. All right. Uh, Deion Waiters, gentlemen, after missing nine games, officially opted for surgery and is out for the year Uh, in season long. Guys, who might you be hopping on over on that heat roster? 
I think more than anything, I'm more confident in somebody like Wayne Ellington, who has surprised this season. Ooh, ooh. Uh, Ken and I actually just composed a deal. Consummated. Which, yeah, consummated a deal. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, one of like, the most boring trades of all time, where yeah. Wayne Ellington was the crown jewel. But guess what? Wayne Ellington has been a top 75 fantasy contributor, the, contributor this season. If you need three-pointers, go out there and get him. Uh, a couple days ago, he was tied with Steph Curry for the sixth most three-pointers made in the league i know when it well wayne ellington is 30 years old and he's been kind of a journeyman and a, and a, like a far off role player um but he's legit this year and because the waiters is out uh, wayne ellington is going to have a firm role in a rotation for a team that's currently i believe fourth in the east right now yeah uh sad to give up ellington but i did get uh, the nine-fingered ginger freak bertrands and your second pick in the expansion or in the reserve draft so yeah it was a good deal for both sides. <clears throat> um, Ellie- oh, there we go. We heard it, Ken. We, he trashed the deal all week long, but we heard it live. I no, I mean, you both exchanged garbage, but it, that, that's why it's a good deal. It was equal garbage fun. on both sides. So, that was the classic, you're in a keeper league to have fun. Fantasy is supposed to be fun. So send crazy rant emails back and forth and make worthless trades it's what you do it's fun ken on numerous occasions after we've made trades with each other we've had to yeah. remind this league that fantasy is supposed to be fun so i don't know what that says about the <laughs> trades that you and i make time killers time killers i i agree with now with waiters gone i agree ellington will continue to be a very good source of three-point shooting i yeah. don't believe that he's going to continue to Poor, you know, score like he scored 24 points last week in a game and hit six three pointers. He's not going to do that every night. Sure. Uh, but will he hit two and a half to three and a half three pointers per game, score 11 or 12 points? Yes, I agree well, with that. He's going to have a stinker game, but then he's going to hit six threes. Then it'll be, you know, mediocre, six, stinker, six, six threes. Most threes this season. Yeah. I mean, that has incredible value. I mean, think about the sixth leading scorer in the NBA. Whoever that is has incredible value. And again, the categories are all the same. Three-pointers yeah. are the same as, as scoring. So uh, he's the sixth most valuable player in one category. I, I like it quite a bit, despite his name being Wayne Ellington. Yeah, and the two other guys who I actually think have better overall or all-around fantasy value who, who see an uptick because of this are Tyler Johnson. And Josh Richardson, and both have oh, been Johnson. good, yeah. and and have are, warrant consideration in most twelve team leagues. If they are unowned, I think most they're probably going to be owned in a lot of leagues of that size. Um, but this this secures their value moving forward. Excellent analysis, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, in other news, Toronto spanks Cleveland last night, one thirty three to ninety nine. Toronto shot fifty percent from the field, uh, though Cleveland shot thirty eight percent. Isaiah Thomas, two of 15, only four points and three assists. So that's two awesome games followed by two stinker games for Thomas. Is it time to panic about IT? It's too early to panic, right, Shannon? Absolutely. There's no, there's no reason at all to panic. This, we knew it was going to be a slow go at the beginning. I mean, he's been out for a long time. This is a new team. He's got to be integrated. He's not going to go two for 15 from the floor probably ever again this is going to be his worst game of the season so i have no concerns whatsoever um you know let's check back again in, in two weeks when he's he's maybe 100 percent by then it has more time with his new teammates and is playing 30 minutes or so i bet you the numbers are going to be fine bigger concern here for me for rostering any of these Cavs players outside of lebron is that i think the free ride mentality has maybe reached a peak um, in LeBron's career with this specific team where all these guys know they're going to make the playoffs and know LeBron is going to carry them. And I think it's kind of their, you know, their mentality is, uh, we know LeBron is going to carry us through the regular season as well, where you have guys like Kevin Love, maybe Isaiah Thomas after these first few games, Dwayne Wade, Kyle Korver. I mean, just reading off the names, like these guys, these guys are catching a free ride right now. And really it's unfair to LeBron for LeBron to have to do all the backbreaking work throughout the season to get them to a respectable record. Of course, he knows all the blame falls on him. And so these other players, I really think, are taking a back seat in this free ride that they've gotten. And that's why you know things came to a head last night where LeBron is literally cussing them out when they know that there's mics all over the place with a national TV game. So I think Le- Le- LeBron has had to deal with this before. Like Dwayne Wade did this to him in Miami, where Dwayne Wade <laughs> sat out a lot of games and then come the playoff time, you know, oh, here's Dwayne Wade able to play 36 minutes a game and take all the spotlights. So I think LeBron totally gets irked 
irked by this because all the blame falls on him for these guys taking a free ride and mailing it in on a nightly basis, Shannon. We're, we're, this is all being way overblown. Uh, the, they're coming off two bad losses no, in a this row. Is, no, this is the highest no, peak of, no. of them. They, you know. they shot six for 26 from downtown against the Raptors last night, a shorthanded Raptors team. It was just a bad game. It was a bad shooting night. Uh, the same can be said against, against Minnesota the previous game. They're going to be fine. They're still going to win about 55 games. They're going to be the second or third seed in the East, and they're probably going to come out of the East. There's really nothing to worry about. They're just going through a tough stretch where they're integrating the guy who's going to be the second or third most important piece on, their, on the floor for them. They're integrating that player into the rotation. It's going to take a little bit of time. It's like we saw when Miami first came together, the first 30 games with the Thunder this year. Any time there, there's a new infusion of talent into a team, it takes time for them to gel. So I'm not worried about it. 10, 15 games from now, they're going to be fine and, and humming on all cylinders. Uh, well, I'll, I'll sort of agree with both of you somewhat in that, yes, we are uh, probably overblowing this, though that's our job. That's what we do. Uh, I'll say one thing that does worry about the Cavs, though, they're 29th in defensive rating. And IT, even a fully healthy 100% IT, is not going to help with that. So I'm a little... If I'm in, if I'm still living in Cleveland, which I did 15 years ago, I'm a little worried about the defensive side of things for the Cavs. All right, let's move on to some nice news. Blake Griffin returns with a double-double last night. 18, 12, six assists, a steal, and two trays. Could we be looking at a huge second half for Blake Griffin? Well, I teased it at the beginning of the pod. We're certainly going to talk about him um, in full detail, specifically in comparison to Kevin Love. I'm skeptical, Shannon, I, and this team seems like it's going nowhere fast. Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers is able to get like you know, seems like he's wanting to get out of there. You're shaking your head because we've had this talk before. They can compete for an A seed in the West, maybe even a seventh seed or something like that, if they catch fire. But here's the thing: don't that, do it. Don't that, catch fire. Exactly. They already, have, they already have. I know, but they, that's, have. they don't want to. Getting an eight seed for the Clippers means nothing. It's a slap in the face. Getting the eight seed for the Pelicans is a huge accomplishment. It, it's just, you know, if anything, they should blow things up. DeAndre They're Jordan not. should be on the move. They should trade Doc Rivers. All that good stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago. That's fine. And when there were seven games under five hundred. You know, it made sense. But guess what? They're they're not anymore. They're they're seven and three over their past ten. They're one game under five hundred. Half, half, half a game, a game out, of the out of the playoffs. They are already talking about re signing, re upping with Lou Williams long term, a mid season extension. You never see that in the NBA. Right. And they're talking about doing that. They're not gonna trade Jordan. They're not gonna trade Lou Williams. Mm-hmm. They're gonna make the playoffs. I honestly <laughs> believe that. I mean, they we, can. They certainly. I think the question is, just, should they? No, they shouldn't. But they will because you got you got Doc Rivers running the team. I'm telling. They will. They're going to make the playoffs. I mean, Doc, if you want to rebuild, Doc Rivers is not the coach you want. No. Doc is. You know, he's all in for now, and there's nothing wrong with that. Good for him. I'm glad he left the Celtics. You know, his parting with the Celtics was perfect timing. This trade uh, deadline. This trade deadline is going to be quiet. You when, think so? When not even no, the no Jordan to the Bucks guy. Well, what are you guys hearing on the Bucks side of things? Because Milwaukee's always supposedly the obvious destination for DeAndre. Well, it's Cleveland or the Bucks. There's been a lot of Cleveland talk with DeAndre oh, as well. Maybe uh, the Brooklyn. Yeah. But that, why, why the hell? I don't care if you want to win this season. If you're Cleveland, you do not give up that pick for DeAndre. It doesn't make sense. Even if it guaranteed you a championship, I don't think it makes sense. I, I just don't see the Clippers. The Clippers had like potentially three, you know, three or four potential pieces that could have been on the move at the trade deadline. Then injuries hit. <clears throat> now the team's playing better. I don't think they make any moves. I think they're actually going to become buyers within the next week or so. Buyers. Interesting. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Oh. After, after his 50-point game, Lou Williams went on SVP of ESPN, and SVP you know, asked him, he's like, you've, you've been traded around the league, re- league like crazy. Are you expecting me to be traded? And he said, no, I actually don't want to be traded. Uh, I want to stay here. And then, unsurprisingly, 24 hours after that, Lou Williams you know, looking for midseason contract. So we'll see. I, I don't know. Quiet is sad. I, I refuse to believe it's going to be a quiet trade deadline because I don't like that as somebody who likes to see things shaken up. <laughs> yeah. um, but I will say that the Bucks have the most 
pieces to bring to the table for any trade. I don't care what it is. You can talk about trading uh, Thon Maker, Thon McCurr. Uh, you can talk about trading Middleton, Jabari Parker. You know, they can do a lot of things, and I do think that they are in a pivotal, pivotal time in their franchise where they need a clear path and they need to decide whether that's going to be with Jason Kidd, without, and if it's going to be with this young core if they need to shake it up because they have underachieved thus far as a team, a team that was supposed to own the future. The future is now, and they're just kind of humdrum in a bad Eastern Conference or lackluster Eastern Conference. I could see my prediction for the for the trade deadline is the best player who goes to a contender will be like Miritich. It'll be like that level of player. He will be the best type. Maybe not him, but him or somebody comparable will be right. the best player that goes to a contender. Meanwhile, you'll have some of these teams that are stuck in the middle or maybe even some of the teams that are you know, actually rebuilding, you might see, see them swap some young talent with each other um, just to make a possible fit. So that, that move will probably end up having the biggest name, but it's not going to be a big name going to a championship contender. So the trade deadline is earlier this year. It is February 8th, so we are less than a month away from the trade deadline. Uh, it's coming before the All-Star break. You'll remember last year uh, that Cousins basically got traded at the All-Star game and at the All-Star <laughs> festivities, which the NBA really did not care for that whatsoever. So they moved it up to uh, February 8th. That certainly will be a main topic of discussion that we'll have at some point before then. Uh, love the trade deadline. I hope it's not quiet, but Shannon, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, like you said, it's basically like a six man off the bench. It'd be like the peak trade that we Meritage to Meritage Detroit. You know Meritage it. to Detroit. Which is going to be if that's the big headline, that'll be quiet. That, that's the epitome of boring. Right that'll there. make Detroit a contender for the fifth seed. All right. <laughs> well, and guys, we actually have two bits of Rotowire news for Rotowire fans. Number one. The SiriusXM show is back to three hours this week. So uh, if you enjoy Rotowire, now on 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern. Used to be 1 p.m. in the crowded football schedule. Back to three hours. Get ready for basketball and baseball. In other Rotowire news, we have reduced our rates. So if anyone's been listening to the Rotowire podcast but not subscribing to Rotowire.com, we re- also this week just reduced our rates. Please go to Rotowire.com for all the details. Nothing shameless when it's a Rotowire podcast, Ken. <laughs> hey, Rotowire clan, we know how frustrating it can be to play in DFS tournaments only to be dominated week in and week out by sharks and pro players like Ken and Shannon. Did you know that 91% of the money is won by 1% of the players? Well, now, finally, we found a new daily fantasy game where you actually have a chance to win. With DraftEasy.com's Rapid Fire game, all you do is pick which player in five two-player matchups you think will score the most fantasy points. Get four out of five picks right and and triple your money. It's that draft easy. No salary caps, no math, no competition, just you against the house. Sign up at drafteasy.com now with promo code ROTOWIRE and get a free shot at $50. Check this. For ROTOWIRE users, get at least one pick right and score $20 for free. And for January, Draft Easy has a crazy deposit match bonus with no drip up to $100. Go now, DraftEasy.com, fantasy sports made easy. Well said, DJ. Well said. We're going to ease into our broad topic now, but just before we do, I forgot one other announcement. For Rotowire subscribers listening or Rotowire wannabe subscribers, we also have a new DFS Slack room where you can get uh, all the pregame banter just before uh, daily games close, as well as a great place to vent or boast during the game. So if you are a Rotowire subscriber, please email support at rotowire.com to get in on the Slack room access. It is exclusive only for subscribers. And if you're not a subscriber, by all means, subscribe. DJ, take away the broad topic. Well, yeah, I just want to speak to that real quick. I think it's a great format because these podcasts are great, but we know that stuff changes by the time we get it posted and by the time you find listeners actually listen to the podcast. Um, I'm in that Slack room. I'm talking about my lineup. Um, Guys like Alex Berutha, who's on the Rotowire NBA podcast also. We love to talk about DFS, and we're talking about it all the way to lineup 
up lock. So it's a great way to connect directly with us and other folks who are, you know, debating uh, between certain players for a certain slate that night. Speaking about debating between certain players, let's get into our broad topic, which simply is better dynasty value. I'm going to lay out two options and we're going to talk about which ones we'd rather have for the rest of their careers. Let's just keep it at an eight category Roto League if you want a basis. We're not going to talk about turnovers um, in this type of format and in a true dynasty league. So you get to keep this player forever. Let's kick it off, gentlemen. Kristaps Porzingis or Miles Turner, who would you rather have for the rest of their career? Shannon, let's kick it off with you. I got to go with the zinger. Um, I'm as big of a Miles Turner fan as you'll probably find, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's hard to pass up Porzingis here. I mean, they're both young. They're both very promising big men. If if Porzingis was, if Miles Turner was maybe three years younger than Porzingis, I might give him an edge. But there's only a one year difference between the two, mm-hmm. uh, and and Porzingis is already scoring close to 24 points per game. They're both they both struggle with rebounds. Uh, Turner's struggling scoring this year, and they're both monsters on the defensive end. You know, some of the two of the league leaders in blocks per game. Uh, but the edge has to go to Porzingis. We've just seen more from him, and the the age well, the, difference isn't enough. The one point seven made threes really swing it to pers- to the tired unicorn, as I'll refer to him now. But also, Shannon, as you said, two point three blocks a game for Porzingis, which is you know Cantor's supposedly their center, but two point three blocks is premium stuff. And and you can't get over the fact, you know, we're gonna we're gonna break down specific categories quite a bit, but that's what you have to do in in exercises like this. Eighty three percent from the line for Perzingis, which is pretty oh, weird. Yeah. Right, right, right. And he's going to the line twice as many times as Miles Turner. Miles Turner only shooting seventy five percent, which is still pretty good for a center eligible player, but he's only going three and a half times. That's a notable difference. Now, there's a reason why I uh, compared these two players together because I think that right now the answer. Certainly seems like it's Porzingis. It's a resounding Porzingis from us three. If you had asked this, if I had asked this question this preseason, I don't know that this would be a resounding yes for Porzingis. So that tells that Porzingis has outperformed what we thought he would this coming season, kind of coming into his true form. And then Turner has been kind of underwhelming. But what I'm wondering from you guys is, you know, should we let only three months? Uh, of play decide dynasty rankings for a player for the rest of their career because really what we've decided on is this three months of games and we're just going to go with Przingis is it that easy no well Przingis's three point shooting isn't just a result of three months fair enough that's a fair point yeah that that is true and and the thing is Turner I think Turner's going to develop into a solid three point shooter he's he's hitting point eight three pointers per game right now on forty nine percent he will get better at, at that part of his game. Um, but it, the answer is yes and no, DJ. I mean, Ooh. I still am high enough on Turner that I think Pete Turner and Pete Porzingis could be very similar players. Right. The thing is, Porzingis is already 80 or 90% towards his peak, mm-hmm. and Turner has a lot of growth to do. So we're looking at Pete Porzingis could be, could be the start of next season, and he'll he'll stay there for five or six years, whereas Turner might be a couple, you know, two or three years off of, from his peak. So, I'm siding with Porzingis. It's that easy. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that really we we've let three months determine, and I'm okay with that um, because when you've only had a player in the league for three years, three months is a considerable size of of how much you know we've seen or how much. Of, of of game tape they have so Porzingis is the answer there maybe it had been a little more even somewhat if I had asked it three months ago uh, I do like that Miles Turner yes if he's averaging 0.83s now he had somebody who can average 1.5 as a center eligible player um, during the majority of his career pretty enticing there next one folks uh, let's go to two true centers here Hassan Whiteside or Rudy Gobert. Again, you know, we, we value both of those guys for rebounding in blocks for the rest of their careers, them being very similar type of players. Which one do you give the edge to if, if you could keep one for the rest of their careers? And Whiteside, three years older, surprisingly. Yeah, or maybe not a journeyman to start out yeah. his career. You know, I think he turned pro probably when he was like 21 or 22, and then it took, a, it took him a while to catch on. Yeah, it really, it really did. I mean, he had a few, he had two or three years away from the NBA because he mm-hmm. did catch on immediately. CBA, um, but that age 
that age gap is really that's the difference, and that's why I have to go with Gobert here. Uh, Gobert is already an elite defensive talent. Um, he's a, his blocks are sustainable. Whiteside, he's not really that great at defense. He's good at getting a couple blocks per game, but he's not known as like a premium <laughs> defensive player. So I, I just feel like with Whiteside, there's more fluke built in. Um, yeah, right now, while he's playing 25, 30 minutes per game, he's a walking double-double with a couple blocks, but he's 28. And is he still going to be doing that when he's 31? No, but you know who will be doing that when he's 28, three years from now? Rudy Gobert. He'll be yeah. where he'll be where Whiteside is right now with more upside, in my opinion. Well, I think in real NBA matters, um, it's hands down Gobert. You know, because uh, as you said, Whiteside's defense isn't that great, but he does. I mean, he basically part of the reason he's not that great is he sells out for blocks, right? He just he has no problems abandoning his man, giving up an easy offensive rebound to the opponent. You know, to all sell out for blocks, get a little better at it. Uh, but I, I'm sorry, this is just a bad way of me agreeing with Shannon. The three years difference is huge. Uh, Gobert, um, I just like his game a lot more in general. The one positive for Whiteside, I'm intrigued by the almost uh, 9% or 9 percentage point increase in Whiteside's free throw shooting. For the 23 games he's played this year, he's actually uh, shooting just over 71% after being in the 60s two prior years. So that's, I want to totally dump on Whiteside. He's, make, he's showing some improvement in some parts of his game. All right, Gobert. I'm going to have to agree here. I think he, you know, when we talk about sustainability, it's Gobert. I think Gobert will actually, um, you know, play more seasons than Whiteside will moving forward. That's easy to say because Gobert is three years younger, like Shannon mentioned. Um, but I just think Gobert is, you know, just a better fit um, for having a longer career uh, than Whiteside, even how they play on the court. So let's move it on. That was a good topic, guys. Uh, to point guard here, a couple of average to slightly above average point guards, but nonetheless, two that I think are pretty comparable um, at organizations um, that are trying to find their way up the standings. Alfred Payton of the Orlando Magic or Dennis Schroeder of the Atlanta Hawks. I think they're pretty comparable. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know which one I prefer. I think I'll give the edge to Peyton because he's more of a triple-double threat, and that's about, about all I have to contribute to this discussion. But these are two players that, Shannon, I know you've used a lot in DFS the last couple of years. What have you specifically valued them for? And if they were the same price on FanDuel, um, you know, which one would you be siding with? At the same price, I'm siding with Schroeder, and he's been on, on a game-by-game average. He's the better player. Peyton does... He he does occasionally put put up a monster triple double, but I mean overall he's only averaging three point nine rebounds per game. So it's not it's not like he's he's racking up tons of triple doubles or or prolific in that fashion like a Russ Westbrook. I have to side and I feel like I defend these players more than most, and I probably I probably appreciate their upside more than most do. But I have to side with Schroeder, and the reason is is because Peyton might not even be a starting point guard in the NBA. Next a good season. team. Yeah. yeah. He might yeah. not even be a starter yeah. next season or, you know, let alone three seasons from now. And you know why? You know why, Shannon? Your point guard, your number one point guard can't shoot 60% from the free throw line. Your top ball handler, the guy you want breaking down the press when you're up a game in a meaningful game, has to be able to drain uh, free throws. And why Peyton can't hit free throws is utterly beyond me. He can't shoot. I mean, period. Right. That, you know, that's the issue. So he is shooting 51% this year, mostly because he's not shooting, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. But, uh, yeah, he's a terrible shooter, and this is a shooter's game. Peyton probably be better served by playing point guard in the mid-'80s than nowadays. And you've already seen it. I mean, his he's a, he's have the minutes played the past four games, 22, 27, 23, 21. He doesn't really have a lot of competition for, for playing time at point guard. On, on you're saying wait, you're saying magic isn't the magic aren't stacked? No, no, they aren't. No, <laughs> you're not on the DJ Augustine bus. No, no, not. I was about eight years ago. Um, <laughs> but this, it's just he doesn't. He hasn't took that leap. He's had the opportunity, and there's a reason why his coaches don't trust him. It's because he can't shoot as well. I mean, he's basically like a poor man's Rajon Rondo. Um, but he's never gonna. I don't think he'll ever have the opportunity to hit that kind of peak. Um, he's more athletic. I, I believe he's more athletic than Rondo. Um, 
he could have that kind of upside, but I don't think he'll ever get an opportunity to to establish it. Yeah, the thing that I'm wondering about is if he ever leaves Orlando, could he actually blossom into a better player? Now, the fact that he's just such a poor shooter suggests no, that he's just you know just a humdrum type of player. Um, you but like to seeing, bash the Orlando organization, right? But yeah, they're I mean, not making him be a terrible shooter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you see Oladipo, and not that they're the same type of player whatsoever, because Oladipo is a better shooter. But these guys at one time were were sharing ball handling duties, and for whatever reason, the Magic decided to kind of side with Peyton as their ball handler, ball handler moving forward. Which makes me think, wait a second, you know, like obviously Orlando Magic is not an ideal organization, but they were seeing both these guys in practice every single day and they decided to go with Peyton. So there's something there that, you know, maybe can be brought out of another, from another organization that would vault him over somebody like Schroeder or the opposite DJ. Maybe, maybe Peyton had zero trade value. Maybe when they brought up Peyton to the Thunder, they just laughed and said, ah, you, you know, they don't have any choice there. You know, I see Schroeder starting for other teams, much like when Jeff league bounced, uh, Jeff Teague bounced around, I can see that happening with Dennis. I don't see that happen. Peyton, I can see becoming a backup in his next few gigs. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Ken. And the thing about Schroeder is he he is he can be an explosive scorer, and we saw it past seasons with Atlanta. Um, even if he moved on to a different team, he could take on that six man backup guard Lou Williams type role. He's not he's not a three point shooter like Lou Williams, but he could take on that uh, energetic spark off the bench and lead a second unit in scoring and still have some fantasy value. Because we've already seen that from him when he was yeah. 21. So yeah. I, it, it's there. Can he please, though, stop dying that little blonde spot in his hair, though? God, uh, I hate that's that. not natural? <laughs> <laughs> he does it for his mom or something. Like his mom. Uh, it, it's French a sentimental. Uh, yeah, it's a sentimental story. Um, anyway, so we pretty much agree that Schroeder is the safe play there. Um, we've agreed on all three of these, uh, funny enough. This next one, I don't anticipate us agreeing. Uh, Shannon's already shaking his head, and I'm shaking my head as well. Uh, Donovan Mitchell or Lori Markinen. Um, Ken, you might have to be the tiebreaker here because I'm pretty confident Shannon is going to go with Donovan Mitchell, and I'm pretty confident that I'm going to go with Lori Markinen. Um, so, right. Ken, why don't we kick things off with you, and then Shannon and I will yell at each other for a couple minutes. You know, a week ago, I would have gone Mitchell until I saw Markinen just own yes. Porzingis. Like that Porzingis game, I was like, holy smokes, Markinen looks awesome. I mean, frankly, they're both fantastic. They're, they're, they're both fantastic keeper league guys. We're splitting hairs saying who's better. But uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can tie break it. I would have gone Mitchell a week ago. But, man, that Markinen game against the Knicks looked so awesome. And also, Markinen's just on a much worse team. Meaning, you know, they're just always going to need him to be the star for the Bulls, or at least for the next three years, um, where I'm not sure Mitchell will have to carry that jazz squad nearly as much. So I think, gosh, if forced to choose, I actually think uh, I go with Markinen. All right, I like it. You lose, Shannon. You don't even need to talk. <laughs> well, I, me, I, I, I win. trade to get Mitchell was was genius in the yeah, keeper. League, I though. win because I own both of them in the Road Warriors. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, fair enough. So I, I have been increasingly impressed with Markinen. It was a slow bleed for me. I, in fact, thought that if there was any, if there was anyone from this class that was going to be a dud in those first, you know, you know, twelve picks or something, that Markinen was going to be the one because he simply was just a terrible rebounder. And for somebody who is as tall as he is at basically seven foot, um, you know, I just thought there's no way his game is going to translate. He has proven me wrong and pretty much everybody else wrong, averaging almost eight rebounds per game. You look at our rotowire projections, and he's exceeding our rotowire projections. Never. The only thing he's falling short on really is that we thought maybe he'd he'd get closer to a full block, but he's only at half a block still. I'll take that. If I can get half a block and two and a half three-pointers from a center-eligible, power-forward-eligible player, I'm going to take it. So the thing here for me is that um, <clears throat> he's doing it on this team that he's the main 
offensive weapon for them. So defenses are scheming against Markkinen. They're, you know, Justin Holiday's on that team, but they're not scheming for Justin Holiday. They're scheming for Markkinen. And, and, And I know the same can be said for Donovan Mitchell right now, but I really, really think that Donovan Mitchell's, like Ken alluded to, his usage rate, I think is as high as it's ever gonna be because the Utah Jazz are gonna be better in the coming years where he's not gonna need to go out there and jack up 20 shots per game. I, I firmly believe that Mitchell is actually in a perfect situation for him to take as many shot attempts as he might ever have um, throughout the first five or six years of his career. And Markinen is is going to be a slow burn that's that's headed in the right direction. I think he you know he just presents such awesome stats across the board for fantasy, especially and a guy, mind you, Shannon. 85% from the free throw line for a center eligible player. He's got everything we're looking for from a center eligible player when it comes to fantasy. I actually disagree with the the team aspect of it. And the reason why right now you already have you have Chris Dunn averaging more shots per game than Markinen. <clears throat> Zach Levine comes back like this weekend, I think, and he's gonna he's gonna probably lead that team in shot attempts and scoring mm-hmm. as soon as he rounds into form. So right now, I mean Markinen is going to be, yes, he'll be one of the top three options for the Bulls. Plus, they're going to have a high draft pick coming in next year who's going to be one of, a, a big key to the re- rebuilding process. But you're going to have three or four young pieces all kind of try, trying to figure out who where they are on the totem pole. I do think marketing's great. I love his long-term upside. I, I'm not arguing that at all. I mean, I think offensively, <clears throat> and this is going to sound just stupid, offensively, I think he has just as much upside, if not more, than Porzingis, the reason why he just no, doesn't—he does. He I just, agree. Yeah, he just doesn't yeah. have because he came into the NBA a better three-point shooter than mm-hmm. Porzingis was. Um, people didn't realize that Markinen could put it on the floor, but he can. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to continue to get better in, in the post, um, which is that's really like his weakness right now. So I love Markinen's offensive upside. He's never going to be great on defense. All of that said, I'm sticking with Mitchell. Mitchell is the long-term future of the Jazz. He's going to be their go-to option for the next decade. He is going to continue to chuck up 20 shots a game. They're not going to they don't bring in big free agents or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Look at it look at his teammates, Ricky Rubio, Rudy Gobert. Like Rubio's probably gone after next season. Donovan Mitchell's going to be the point guard of this team. He's like essentially going to be the next Dame Lillard, mm-hmm. except for he's going to be playing for Utah. So you're talking about a guy that's going to be scoring 26, 27 points per game, handing out five or six assists, hitting two and a half to three three pointers per game, getting some steals. He is just absolutely elite. I, I think his upside is ridiculous. Like we're talking top five in the MP, MVP voting upside, which I don't, I don't think you can say that about Markman yet. I love both of them, but it's got I to think- be Mitchell. We're splitting hairs. They're both fantastic. They're exactly the kind of guys you want on your team in a keeper league, and you'd be happy to have either. Fair enough. Let's move on. All right. Let's let's move on. Let's move on to our final. Well, actually, we got two more here. Markel Fultz or Tim Hardaway. The reason why I'm including this is. Does anybody really like or appreciate Tim Hardaway on their fantasy team? No, but we do know that when healthy, he can accrue stats and be somebody who's pretty much a plug-and-play option for the most of the season, especially on this Knicks team when he comes back to health. Mark Fultz has all the potential in the world. We know that, but could he be a dud? Certainly. Could he be injury-riddled throughout his career? Certainly. So we're taking something that's a little more certain, um, with far less upside and, and taking it against something that is completely unproven with far, you know, just way more upside. So, uh, guys, Markel Fultz or Tim Hardaway in a true dynasty format, which of these two players do you side with? Ken, we'll start with you here. Well, I was watching that London game yesterday, and what was interesting was uh, Scalabrini, uh, the Celtics color guy, was like, I really don't think you can have Simmons and McConnell on the floor at the same time because both are poor shooters. Right. And my first thought was, oh, that's only going to get uglier when <laughs> Hitchin is shot. Markel Fultz comes back. If you're already like, boy, he and McConnell are a tough fit. Oh, well, what the heck is going to happen with Simmons and, and Fultz? I, um, you know, just the fact that we're comparing him to Tim Hardaway, the guy was the number one pick in the draft this year. And already he's as bad keeper wise as Tim Hardaway, who does have 71 million reasons to succeed in New York, but still. <laughs> The faults, I mean, just, just, ah, uh, uh, go Celtics. No, no, it's <laughs> there. This isn't a debate. Tim Hardaway's fine. T- he's fine. Okay. He's averaging 
Career high, 18 points, four rebounds, three assists this season. He'll hit some threes. One, I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's going to sustain that maybe for the rest of this season once he returns. But long term, uh, I don't think he's going to be scoring 18 points per game. Uh, Fultz, and the reason why you take the flyer on Fultz is because he has that pedigree. He's the number one overall pick in the draft. He has all-star slash MVP potential. We we don't know. We haven't seen him play yet. But he would not be. He could end up being Anthony Bennett, and that's fine. You still take the chance on this guy being a top twenty, top you know thirty fantasy player long term, rather than a guy who's just another shooting guard who hits a couple threes a game. You can I, replace that. Well, Shannon, let me ask you this. Shannon, let me ask you this. So, you know, most keeper leagues are like ours, three years, right? And, of course, Fultz is on every keeper league team now. So, meaning there's a, whoever's got Fultz now has two more years at the ch- whatever cheap rookie discount. Maybe they got him. I think I like Hardaway's next two years more than Fultz. Sure, I think Fultz is upside seven, eight, nine years from now. But the, the next two seasons, I think I take Hardaway. I, I, I 100% agree. And, and right now, I, I think you look at Hardaway's averages. Shannon, let's not look at last year's. Let's look at two years ago if you think that's going to be more realistic. I will take 14.5 points, three rebounds, two assists, and two three-pointers per game, shooting decent clips, decent clips, 46 and 78. You don't think Fultz is going to do that next season? Dude, I don't know. He's not hitting two I don't know. I, I won't believe it until I see it. And es- espe- especially on this Sixers team, what's his place? He's, he's going to be a wing player. He's going to be a spot their up shooter. Their one weakness is basically shooting guard. He's going to be their shooting guard. Robert Covington, you know, No, he's a shoot- small forward. No, but he, Covington no. can play because they have so many big guys he can play. No. So, I mean. Couldn't Fultz be the next Peyton as far it, as bad shooters? No, no. But I mean, he's, yeah, he could have his shoulder. But if you look at his, if you look at him in college, he was considered a great, he was not a great shooter. He had some trouble with the free throw line, but he was considered to have those tools to be a knockdown shooter. He hit tons of threes, shot over 40% from downtown in college. No, it's, you're, he's, we he, don't know yet. You don't know how well he's going to be, but the fact that he has that pedigree, I don't know how you can just toss that aside because he's been injured for three months. Well, it's not that just that he's been injured. It's that every, I mean, he played four games. He averaged 19 minutes per game and he shot 33% from the field and gave us nothing to chew on. I mean, his stock has fallen so far that I'm almost to the point where at least I know what I'm going to get out of Hardaway over the next six years, which is about 14 points per game and, and, and decent averages. And I don't know that I'm even going to get 14 points out of Fultz, especially if he's on the Sixers. And I sure as heck know that his averages are going to be worse than Hardaway for the next five to six years. So I actually think that it's realistic that Hardaway could have better dynasty value than Markel Fultz. It's possible. You, you hate every NBA player that doesn't have gray hair, so your opinion doesn't <laughs> count. But if, if any Fultz owner in a dynasty league, any Fultz owner gets offered Hardaway Jr., not senior. If it was senior, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Shannon, Hardaway <laughs> Jr. for Fultz. Shannon, they, you will get laughed at. They will, be, they, they will never want to you're do throwing full, you. Do you have Fultz on your Keeper League team? No. Okay, I but what say, is I, know, I was, I was right just now? checking that. He's like, like twenty dollars, right? Twenty dollars is way you're too expensive. You're not going to keep him at twenty bucks. I know you're going to throw him right. back. So why not trade for Hardaway, who's more at a reasonable contract, like ten bucks? No one, no one's going to keep Fultz at twenty bucks. Exactly. That's why I'm saying Hardaway has more value in most no, dynasty in leagues one, right now. That's in one league that you play in, like just in general value. Fultz like is going to get... know the format. Just general value. You're saying you'd rather have Hardaway for the next. Four or five seasons yes. than Fultz. Yes. Then you are a crazy person. Fultz is going to get thrown back in every single type of dynasty format that has contracts. It's all about value over replacement. Fultz has the potential to develop into a top 30 type fantasy player. Tim Hardaway is what he is. You can find a replacement. You can find a Tim Hardaway every single season. You don't need to keep him. I, I, I love I think the I'm a, emotion. I know I I'm more of a conservative, conservative fantasy player than you, but I, I, I want to know what I'm having going into the season. Obviously, we, we've talked about that for the last few years, so I, I'm more conservative when it comes to that. But I don't, I don't know, Shannon. I mean, it's possible that we could get nothing out of Fultz. That is true. But you know what? I can find another Hardaway. Okay. I'm going to hedge my it's bets. A, it's a steady play risky, which is that, true That's the true classic. That's the classic. Do you take the low ceiling but low floor guy or the high ceiling but really low floor? You know, it's just risk reward there. All right, gentlemen, please end our main topic here by you two debating Blake Griffin or Kevin Love. This is a tough one, Shannon. Um, 
I feel like both of these guys are going to be on different teams in two years. Um, so, you know, I'll even concede the point that the Clippers will just maintain their, their crew this season and fight for a playoff spot, right? I'll just concede that point right out of the gates. Even still, uh, I think Blake Griffin could be on a different team in a couple of years. Kevin Love the same. Or maybe Kevin Love will still be on the Cavs, but he'll be the only guy on the Cavs left where he can go back to his Minnesota Timberwolves days. Because of attrition and because of injuries, I'm going to give a slight edge to Kevin Love just because I don't know what I'm getting out of Blake Griffin given that Blake Griffin could potentially have a higher ceiling if he does stay healthy for the next three seasons. Yeah, I think injuries are one of the things you really have to consider. Um, But the reason why I'm siding with you and going with Kevin Love is because I don't think Love and LeBron are going to be on the same team next year. Yeah. Um, You know, whether whether or not that means LeBron stays in Cleveland, I don't think they'll be on the same team. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think we're going to see Love return to that Minnesota form for for a two or three year stretch uh, before his career starts to wind down. So I'm going to take advantage of that. Uh, Love was a top 10 fantasy player. Yes. Uh, Easy. Yeah, he's just great. You know, the two or three years there in Minnesota and, and given the way the NBA's changed since then too, with more three pointers. I mean, you see a love who, who has a permanent green light and is able to chuck up like nine, three pointers a game, mm-hmm. uh, still grab 12 or 13 rebounds. Yeah. I want to see that. So I would say this, Ken, before we get into your old man rant here, if you're in a dynasty format, I would try to pursue Kevin Love right now because he is coming off some of the worst games of his career, some of his worst games in Cleveland, where he's literally accruing less than 10 FanDuel fantasy points. Um, yeah, I think in two of his last three or one of his, or yeah, two of his last three, maybe Shannon, you want to look that up, where I think Kevin's Love value right now is as low as it's ever going to be but next season he could be back to Timberwolves form I mean I think he could be one of the best players in the league even next year when it comes to fantasy and just on a switch of a dime because like Shannon said because either LeBron is leaving or Kevin Love is leaving things are going to change so I would invest and try to seek out Kevin Love right right now even if whatever contract you have him at isn't going to be worth it for the rest of this season I think it'll be a value contract over the next couple of seasons depending at where he at in those dynasty keeper leagues ken Shannon well, and I are done yelling at each other so why don't you yell into the microphone <laughs> thank you uh guys i'm gonna wander still within sports but outside of basketball due to the big news this week chucky gets a hundred million that's 10 million a year for john gruden to coach the raiders fyi bill belichick makes about 10 million per year per chris mortensen at espn belichick the man with 10 Super Bowl rings. Gruden said this about his contract. Quote, I don't really know the terms, unquote. Yeah. Did Davis just want to hire someone with an equally bad haircut? In John Gruden's last three years of the Bucks, he was 22 and 26 with no playoff wins. But Gruden won a Super Bowl, you say. So did Brian Billick, and he's second string to a bunch of sex predators on NFL Network. Gruden won his Super Bowl with a great squad he inherited from Tony D- Dungy. And then the Bucks stunk. Add that Gruden has done no coaching over the past 10 years, and this is a Donald Trump, LeVar Ball hire. Loud voice, terrible qualifications. As I prove with this podcast, any semi-literate baboon can blabber into a microphone once a week. The Raiders will be awful for the next four years. Mark my words. A lot of questionable material in there. Luckily nobody, <sighs> luckily, nobody makes it this far into the podcast. We're spa- basically speaking into thin air. <laughs> Questionable material? What? <laughs> oh, we'll talk about it off air. I disagree. <laughs> um, I think Gruden's going to be fine. I think the Raiders are going to be fine. I, I like Derek Carr a lot. Um, I, they're, uh, will they win a Super Bowl? No, but I think they're going to win nine or ten games in the next couple of years and make the playoffs. All right. I have nothing to add to this. I, I'm fully aware of the situation. I just don't care. Uh, if somebody wants to, you know, have a little boy crush on on John Gruden and go pay him a hundred million dollars, then do it. <laughs> I mean, whatever. All right, let's get into our Friday FanDuel picks. I, I there's one play for me. He's a lock. He's going to be in one hundred percent of my lineups tonight, and that's LeBron freaking James. I don't care how much he is on FanDuel tonight. I don't care what the opponent is. 
after the last couple of games, you know what LeBron hates? He hates talking to the media about how his team sucks. So if nothing else, he's going to go out there, get a win, improve his plus minus because it's been god awful the last couple of games. Just out of sheer hating talking to the media about how bad his team is, he's going to go will his team to a victory and be your top FanDuel point producer tonight. Shan, I haven't even looked at his price. I don't care. He's a lock and load. After we go, after we sign off here, I'm going to go set my FanDuel lineups, and, and he's going to be in every single one. I mean, come on, right? I mean, there's there's he's never going to be more motivated than he is tonight. Well, it's the second. It. it. It's second highest over under uh, of the night. Um, certainly, LeBron's going to be motivated. Uh, but, you know, the reason why he had a bad game last night is because he only had one assist. He had one assist because none of his teammates were hitting shots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by default, uh, that'll go up because they're going to hit more shots. He's going to play more minutes. Um, I expect to be a more competitive game. Uh, he did play horribly against against Minnesota the game prior, but I, I don't know. I, my only worry is it's, it's the second game of a back-to-back. Um, maybe because he only played 26 and 32 minutes. Uh, the last Shouldn't he have been games. pissed off last night? Shouldn't he, he have absolutely. had that crazy game against the Raptors after that turd they played against Minnesota? You know what I mean? But I do, I, again, it's that six for, six for 26 or whatever it was from downtown. That just happens sometimes, and, and it's not going to happen two games in a row. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to have a good bounce back game. He's, he's 11,500. That's really damn expensive. I probably won't go with him tonight. Uh, but, yeah, I do expect a big outing from him. Ken, if you do decide to go with LeBron James or DeMarcus Cousins, like we mentioned earlier in the pod, what are some cheap options here to help us stay under the salary cap? Uh, hey, I really like Dragon Bender at 3500 versus Houston. It's the highest over under the night at 227 I think. Uh, Bender's starting because Marquise Chris is out. Uh, and hey, four time value on a thirty five hundred salary is pretty easy to get. I, I, I like Bender a lot. Also cheap. I'm looking at Ryan Anderson uh, in that same game with Houston, uh, and Etwan Moore is at forty nine hundred. He's had uh, basically. I'm just uh, thinking of him just because he's hot. He's had two thirty plus fantasy point games. Yeah, with Chris out, Bender looks like a really solid play. So I like that. I, I think. A lot of people are going to be on him because he's coming off, yeah. uh, you know, the best game of his career. Uh, so don't expect him to necessarily repeat that. Uh, but at minimum price, if he gets you twenty-five to thirty fantasy points, you know, you're going to be happy. So, so I do like that play. Um, that that Rocket Sun game is really the game to target. It's the highest over under of the night. Uh, one of the question marks there, though, is just the fact that. The Rockets are such a heavy favorite. Um, it could be a mm. blowout, so there's some risk with with guys like Chris Paul, um, specifically. Uh, you know, Eric Gordon. I could see those guys seeing their minutes, minutes trimmed down some, and you know, maybe only playing 25 to 30 if, if the game's out of hand. Um, I don't think that'll impact the Suns as much, especially guys like Bender um, or, or I've got Gerald Green in my lineup um, for the Rockets. I mean, they still have to have five guys out on the floor, even if it's a blowout. <laughs> wait, so, wait, they do yeah. what? <laughs> they still do that. You know, I, I like some other guys. Um, some of the other guys I like are. Just seem like their their values are a little bit depressed tonight. Uh, Alfred Payton is at sixty seven hundred. He's been between seven and eight thousand dollars for a pretty significant stretch. Um, he played against Washington in late December and posted sixty three fantasy points. So at sixty seven hundred, I like that. Like I said, it's cheaper than what he has been. Um, there's certainly risk because his playing time has dipped some, but I'm just looking for him to have a bounce back effort. Same goes with with a couple other guys like Aaron Gordon. He's down to seventy one hundred. I want I expect a bounce back. Um, and then Tyreek Evans is just continues to be on fire. He's playing against Denver tonight. He's got forty or more fantasy points in like eight out of the last nine games. Uh, I just expect him to continue playing. There's pretty there's really good options across the board at shooting guard tonight. You've got Oladipo, Beal, Evans, Gordon, Booker. All those guys have been great for, for an extended stretch, but I like Evans the most at all. Of them. Question for you about Evans, because he plays the Nuggets in Denver tonight. Now, I'm usually scared off when I see the at Denver because of the altitude. Um, does that scare you at all when you see somebody like like a veteran? You know, he's not fleet of foot anymore, per se. Um, does, does that scare you at all when, when guys are going to Denver um, that, you know, that maybe they'll be huffing and puffing by the third quarter? 
I'm not. I, I admittedly have not dove into those numbers and, and compared to see how well visiting teams do. Um, it's something to look into, uh, but it off you know just off the cuff, it doesn't really concern me. All right, fair enough. Uh, one guy that I'll be looking at tonight is Darren Collison. Now, I've been bitten by him in the past a couple times over the season. He does have the potential to get up in the 40 Fanduel point territory. Going against Cleveland, Cleveland has traditionally over the last few years given up the most Fanduel points or one of the most to opposing point guards. Um, a lot Coll- of Calderon tonight, too, because Isaiah Thomas is out. Yeah, and Calderon, I, th- I believe, is going to be close to minimum pricing. Um, when Isaiah Thomas was playing, he saw zero minutes, eight minutes, so that's incredibly risky, and you should just Oh, I'm not, I'm not recommend Calderon. I'm just stating that Collison is going to be going up against Calderon, and, and there's nothing love to worry that. about yeah, there. I mean, any of the point guards for Cleveland, you like to match up. Even yeah. if Isaiah Thomas is playing, you'd still like it. But yeah, Calderon especially. So $500 or $5,000, excuse me, for Collison, for somebody who has hit 40, 45 fantasy points multiple times this season is enticing, but you're really, you're really uh, risking it there. And he certainly has ruined some of my lineups so far this year. I've probably used him a bit too much. Any last players you guys would like to hit on before Ken gets us out of here? You know, we talked about Cousins a little bit. Cousins at 11,000. I like him more than LeBron James. If That was going to be my question to yeah. you guys. James or Cousins? If Anthony Davis sits, I like Cousins more. Why not both? Why not I have both, both in the Get lineup. Crazy. I just, yeah. I have both, and I'm, I'm looking at Jarrett Jack as my other point guard. Get crazy. Jarrett Jack is like 14th in the league in assists right now. He's $4,700 yeah. tonight against 44-point game. Uh, yeah, he, he certainly can go out there and fill it up. He, I mean, he played 40 minutes. Um, was that an overtime game? I don't know if it was or not. But, yeah, he can consistently see 32 minutes per game. That's not a bad pick at all. In fact, I'll drop him into my lineup right now. All right, thanks so much for joining us on this Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Ken, why don't you put a bow on this whole thing? Well, hey, in honor of some of the insanity coming out of the White House right now, I'm going to quote coaching legend and Air Force veteran, Greg Popovich. In fact, I'm going to quote him twice. Uh, I was like one comment he made when asked about uh, Coach Mike Brown's old job on the Spurs. He said, quote, he kept Steven Jackson away from me, (laughs) unquote. I like that. And then during the past election, he said, it's the political season. Facts don't matter, right? You just say what you want to say and life goes on. Nobody cares. It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be close. You just say whatever you want. Attention, passengers. This three-car fantasy train has hit the end of the line. (laughs) Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.